Pastor Xavier Reese and the weapons of spiritual warfare. Jesus is our greatest example. You remember the temptation in the wilderness, right? What did Jesus use to defeat the enemy? He was praying. Secondly, the Holy Spirit fell upon him. And then the Spirit drove him in the wilderness, and it was the Word of God that he used. It is written. There's your weapons, Christian. Prayer, filled with the Spirit of God, the Word of God. There's your weapons. No other weapon will work. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. According to the Bible, the enemy is constantly on the prowl, attacking whenever he sees fit. Well, today, as Pastor Xavier finishes off his study of the book of Ephesians, he brings us to the crux of his study, how to have victory in the midst of the secret attacks of the spiritual enemy. Now let's join him for today's message, Standing to be Victorious. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. The message is entitled, Standing to be Victorious. God has provided for us the spiritual armor that we might be effective against the enemy. And our text is going to emphasize the purpose of the armor to enable us to stand, withstand, and to end up standing against the enemy. In other words, to be victorious. Let me read our text. It's one verse. Verse 13 of chapter 6. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The victory in spiritual warfare depends on three things, Paul tells us here. First, the believer's responsibility. Secondly, the believer's res resistance. And thirdly, the believer's resourcefulness. And they're found in this verse. Let's begin by looking at the first, the believer's responsibility. This is the beginning. This is the first step. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Notice first the believer is responsible to have the same mind and to come to the very same conclusion. Warfare is spiritual. Mark it well, never forget it. Because the thousandth second that you forget it, you'll attempt to do it in the flesh and you will be defeated. Knowing all of this, my own conclusion and yours should be the same. To agree that we are unable in and of our own selves to be engaged in this warfare. This is basic. This is an absolute need to be agreed upon with God. The statement is a command to take up the whole armor of God. And the phrase to take up means to receive, to take up in order to use. The believer, to be victorious, must acknowledge his own inability to win in his own strength. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 41, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The word weak there is impotent. It is not sufficient to do the job. The victory in spiritual warfare depends on the believer's responsibility to take up the whole armor of God. But notice, secondly, is the believer's resistance that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. The believer is not to back down or give in to the spiritual attacks. The ability to stand is implied clearly. The ability to resist is also implied clearly. The willingness to yield is what is necessary. 
To yield to the ability is evident by the believer's what? Resistance. If you don't resist, then it's evidence that you're not willing to yield to the ability. That's what it says, people. I don't like to admit that because that puts me in the same boat as you. But that's the way it is. The believer to be victorious must recognize his spiritual weapons to withstand the devil. Jesus is our greatest example. You remember in Luke and in Matthew and Mark, we see the temptation in the wilderness, right? What did Jesus use? Jesus is the greatest model to defeat the enemy. Here it is. He was praying at his baptism. Only Luke gives us that. He was praying. Secondly, the Holy Spirit fell upon him and filled him. And then the Spirit drove him in the wilderness, and it was the Word of God that he used. It is written. There's your weapons, Christian. Prayer, filled with the Spirit of God, the Word of God. You're going to find the same things here if you look through the text. This whole section. The Spirit begins in chapter 5, verse 18. Continue to be filled with the Spirit of God. The Word of God is all over here, and prayer is the last piece of the armor. There's your weapons. No other weapon will work. Not your experience, not your length of time in the Lord, not your position in the church, but only the weapons. Only then can we be strong in the Lord. Only then can we bring our thoughts into captivity. Only then will we make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Only then will we resist the false doctrines of men that we are so warned against. Philosophies, the ABCs of the world. The very first words out of the mouth of Jesus in the Olivet Discord, Matthew 24, is, let no man deceive you. How can I do that? By knowing the word of God. Peter reminds the believer, knowing that he was going home in the second epistle, about looking to Jesus, trusting him, being careful of the deception. Chapter 1, the heritage of the believer. Chapter 3, the hope of coming of Christ. And what's in the middle? The heretic. And between your heritage and the second coming of Christ, the hope, there's a lot of heretics. Put on that armor. Resist Satan, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren in the world. 1 Peter 5, 9. You are not alone. You are not the only one. Welcome to the family of warfare. <laughs> Don't compare yourselves to someone else. What may be a great battle for you, I may look at it and say, you're a wimp. And it would show my carnality and my confidence in self. We're all different. And God knows exactly what's going to make me dependent on him. And God knows exactly what is going to reveal to me my evilness. I cannot run your course. I cannot put on your armor. And I cannot compare myself to you. God help me, Paul says. Don't compare yourself among yourself because then you are not wise. Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as weed. But I have prayed for you, Luke twenty two thirty one. 31. Oh, I thank God for that. I know many a times God has prayed for me. You ever been in an intense battle? Spiritual battle where you just, you just want to die. I've been there. But here I stand, clothed and sane by the grace of God. It's hard sometimes, real hard. 
You see, the victory in spiritual warfare depends on the believer's resistance to withstand in the evil day. There will be difficult times in our lives. Count on them. Don't be surprised at them. Notice thirdly, the believer's resourcefulness is the third thing, to be victorious. And having done all, to stand. First, the believer is the most resourceful when he or she exercises his or her free moral agency of decision to resist all in order to stand. The word to take up, stand, withstand, done, all indicate the exercise of free will in spite of man's sin nature. Since we've been born again, you and I have a free will. We can exercise it. As I've told you often, I as a Christian can never say, I cannot. All I can say is, I will not. If God calls me to do something, if God allows something to come, then he says, I am able by virtue of the visitation. The power of sin nature is never eradicated during this lifetime on this earth. Galatians 5, 7, he says, the flesh lies against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. So you cannot do that which you wish. The apostle Paul declares this to the Romans. Remember in Romans 7, verse 18, he says, he says that nothing good is, dwells in him, for the will was present, but how to perform that which was good he did not find in himself. Paul the apostle, being a Christian, was still trusting in himself when he came to the end of himself, crying out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death in Romans 7, 25 on down? 7, 24. He came to the end of himself realizing that he really couldn't do it. See, some of us still believe that we still have a little hand. I can still do something. You can do nothing. Take it by faith. <laughs> if you think you can do something, you're already in the flesh. It's just a matter of time before you fall. And so Paul thanks God for Jesus Christ who's provided this new life in the Spirit. He moves on to chapter 8, life in the Spirit. You see, the believer's free will must be exercised every time. It is never neutral nor null and void. I must make decisions. And based on my decisions, I will have consequences or benefits. One of the two. These promises are based on God's Word, I have been given all things pertaining to life and godliness in first, second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All things. All things refers, or life refers to everything. All things means to life and the situations that come to my life, whatever God allows, on whatever level. All things. I have been equipped for all things for life. Pain, absolutely. Lack of knowledge, why? Yes, at times. But I know God's in control. I know he's a faithful creator. And I know that the life of his saints are precious. And he does not remove anyone just to bring pain to people. Godliness refers to how I am to respond. So I'm equipped for all things that will ever come into my life, and I'm also equipped on how I can respond in a godly manner. I hate this verse because when I don't yield, I'm busting. 
And I love it because it's a great promise that I can always be victorious. It's a sweet and sour, people. I have been given great and precious promises that through these I've been partake of the divine nature, able to escape the depravity of the world through lust. The next verse tells us, 2 Peter. This world is corrupt, doesn't get better. But God has equipped me. I have been assured that God will never allow me to be tested beyond that which I'm able, but with every testing, give me the way of escape. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I hate and love that verse again. Because sometimes my flesh doesn't want to resist. Sometimes my flesh wants to say, you know what? Well, they deserve it. You know what? I'm not as bad as them, but then I'm starting to measure things the wrong way. By the way, the context there in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is the wilderness journey, which Israel failed in the warning of God over and over again. So he warns us, let him who stands take heed lest he fall. If you think you can't fall, you've already fallen. It's not... If it's a matter of when. The provisions for victory is twofold. Now, you have the option. Hear me out. Each year, you're supposed to get a physical checkup. That's preventive medicine. If you don't, you'll be in there seeing the doctor to get corrective medicine. And it's the same in the life of the Spirit. There is the counsel of preventive. That is, draw near to God in a humble submission, James 4, 7 through 8. And then resist the devil and he will flee, Peter tells us. It's a twofold. Draw near to God, resist the devil. You can't do just one. You've got to do both. That's preventive as you wear your armor. Now, if you are rebellious and refuse to do that, then you have to go the corrective measure. It is based on confessing your sin in your failure, 1 John 1, 9 and 1 John 2, 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgives our sins and declares us for all unrighteousness. My brethren, I write these things unto you that you do not practice sin, but if you fall, if you stumble, if you eat at big time, you have an advocate for the Lord, a Lord for the defense, Jesus Christ the righteous, make an intercession for you. So you acknowledge your sin, you confess your sin. That's based on godly repentance, 2 Corinthians 10, 7. That you truly, genuinely know that you've blown it and you acknowledge it. You confess it, and you abandon it. And as to your high priest that you go in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, who makes intercession for you, and you come to find grace and help and mercy in time of need. And it's all based on the finished work of Christ in John 19, 30, when it said it is finished. But corrective is the costliest of the two. Preventative is the wisest of the two. I get my yearly physical. I want to make sure they find something that's only a year away. How much more in the spirit? Notice, secondly, the believer is to be resourceful by making use of all that God has made available to him and ends up standing. The resources are many. We've gone over some of them. Being strong in the Lord, chapter 6, verse 10 there. The strength, the power of his might. Putting on the whole armor of God, verse 11. Withstanding the wiles of the devil, verse 11. Withstanding the evil day, verse 13, we looked at. Not allowing to be excluded from full obedience. Embracing everything. No, notice the phrase, done all. It means to perform, accomplish, to achieve, to carry something to its ultimate conclusion. The phrase implies standing in our position. 
withstanding against the wiles of the devil is a resistance on and on and on and ends up standing, as it says here, in victory against the world, the flesh, and Satan. You see, the position of the believer is simple. It's to stand. The position of readiness, stand therefore. The position of resistance, stand against the wiles. The position of pressing forward, withstanding in the evil day. The position of victory, having done all to stand. It's a complete picture of warfare. Soldier against the enemy. Like the athlete who uses every available resource to improve his skills and develop them through the training to put every ounce of energy in order to stand against the opponent, to defeat and to be victorious. So we. Some of you were athletes, and you know what it is to discipline and to give up and to have injury and to, and to go against, and you, and you do everything you can, and you don't give up. And, and when the enemy comes and the opponent comes, you know, you hit harder and you work harder. Why? Because you want that stinking, corruptible crown. You want your name in the high school yearbook. You want your trophy and your name ascribed on there. You want people to say, whoa, look at all those medals on his sweater. How much more in life of the Spirit? How much more should we be spiritual athletes? Another metaphor that Paul uses throughout the Scriptures to teach us. Man must die to self at all times in order to stand. If you don't die, you won't stand. Romans 6, 6 says, You are to reckon the old man and has been reckoned as you trusted him in faith. In Romans 6, 11, we are to reckon and put him to death daily. Literally, put him out of business. Don't throw him a chunk of meat at a time, keep him alive. Put him out of business. The old man is crucified and allows the new man who is consecrated to God to live for the glory of God. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I to the cross, the world to me, crucified. Let me tell you, you don't die, nobody else will live. You die, everybody lives. It's just that simple, people. We're bad news. <laughs> Our hope is Christ. Man must abide in Christ at all times in order to stand. He is the source of the new life. He is the vine or the branches. Abide in me and I in you. Christ is a source of one's ability. Without me, you can do nothing. Christ is a source of our fruit. He that abides in me, he will bear much fruit. Much fruit. Christ is a source of one's fruit. No one else. Man must yield to the love of God in order to stand. Now, Jesus said this, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, who have love one for another, in John 13, 35. He didn't say we'd be real smart. He didn't say that we'd be known by our knowledge. And yet, by this very thing, if we yield to the love of God, we are the wisest and we are the strongest. Paul says that the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit in Romans 5.5. 5. Paul tells us that if we have gifts 
and we do all manner of work but have not love, we are nothing, for the greatest gift is love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5.22. The, characteris the characteristics of love are what? Unfailing. Agape love never fails. I fail, you fail, but agape love never fails. When I yield to agape love, I never fail. When I yield to agape love. When I don't yield, I'm dead. Love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4.8. Love is the greatest of the gifts, and all believers can manifest it, but not all believers yield to it. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbors yourself, and these two lie all the commandments. But our text is in Ephesians. What does Ephesians say about love? In chapter 1, verse 6, God accepted us in the Son of His love. Chapter 1, verse 15, the Ephesians were commended for their love. In chapter 3, verse 17, 21, remember the prayer of Paul? That every believer experienced the width, the length, the depth, the height of God's love that surpasses knowledge by depending on him who is the source. 4.16, the body is to be built itself up in what? Love. 5.2, the believer is to walk in love as Christ, an offering and sacrifice for sweet-smelling aroma. Chapter 5, 25 and 28, husbands are commanded to love their wives as Christ also loved the church. The believer is commanded to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Allow me to change it just a little bit. The power of his love. Because the filling of his spirit is through the spirit. Agape love. It is dependency, commitment, and trust in the person of the Holy Spirit. Not an essence, not a force, but God himself living through us, and the motivation for acknowledging my ability to stand, to hold myself responsible, to be willing to stand in my co-participation, to remain standing, is the evidence of one thing and one thing alone. Are you ready for it? The evidence of my love for God. The greatest evidence that my wife can have about me being faithful to her is the constant resistance to any temptation to be unfaithful. When I resist, I'm telling her, I love you and no one else. When I resist, I'm saying, God, I love you more than anything and anyone else. And when I don't, then I've allowed other lovers into my life. And I'm being unfaithful. The theme throughout the epistle I've told you before is love. Chapter 1 through 3, the wealth of the believer by the love of God. Chapter 4 to chapter 6, verse 9, the walk of the believer in the love of God. And chapter 6, 10 to 11, the war for the believer through the love of God. The wealth by the love of God, the walk in the love of God, and the warfare through the love of God. Incredible epistle the greatest power that will ever come upon your life and mine. That which will make us stand. The victory in spiritual warfare depends on the believer's resourcefulness to do all and end up standing. The victory depends on these three things, Paul says. The believer's responsibility, the believer's resistance, and the believer's resourcefulness. 
Time is a test of all things. Our prayer is that you put on the whole armor of God and withstand. And having done all, that you end up standing. Pastor Xavier Reese and the true journey to victory, a trip available to all who put their trust in God. And today's message, Standing to be Victorious, is available for only $4. We can send you the complete unedited copy on CD. And this also includes what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is Standing to be Victorious, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Now be sure you join Pastor Xavier Reese as he brings more simple truths from the Word of God. That's next time. Be sure and tell a friend. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com